This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Okay, this is an episode on families that are really complex, and we're calling them blended families, Mm -hmm. and we are going to get into that, but... It is really good to be back with you. Yeah. I haven't been behind the mic for two or three weeks. Yeah. And people might be wondering. (laughs) What happened to John? Where'd this guy go? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been in search of the elusive and rare Zambezi monkey (laughs) that Mr. Peterman looked for in Seinfeld. Oh, it's a Seinfeld reference. Got it. That Zambezi monkey. Yes, but you're back now I'm back. from your travels. Did you find the Zambezi? Never no. found the Zambezi okay. monkey. Got okay. really ran out of money. Uh, so okay, I just thought it. I'd need to come back to my job yes. for a while. Well, here we are together again. It's really good to see you. Really good to be with you. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, mm-hmm. do you remember four or five years ago mm-hmm. when we sat in my office and thought, we should do a podcast? I do remember that. And we we really were taught like, yeah we learned what we didn't know right away that right. it's one thing to say let's have a podcast and then the actual doing of the podcast are two very different things we gave up we gave up we actually recorded two episodes two episodes one and a half and then you know what i think we got in a fight <laughs> if you <laughs> Well, we got one and a half in and halfway into the second one, we were like, this is a lot of work. I don't think we could agree on how to conclude the episode. We just sort of tabled it and we gave up. But here we are now about five years later and we are about 63, 64 episodes into are with you in the weeds podcast. We are deep in this. Isn't this amazing though? Yeah, it's really neat. That God has been growing this podcast over the last year and we are reaching more people with a mental health resource that combines a really foundational biblical worldview with excellent research on psychology, how the brain works, how relationships work. And we have integrated that and created these series that are really speaking to the common issues that we help people with in counseling. I have people tell me all the time, um, they'll stop me in the hallway and they'll say, gosh, that episode really helped me, Mm, which I sort of pinch myself. Like, really? (laughs) Like, I'm really glad you're getting help. Yeah, yeah. So we have something north of 50,000 downloads now, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. Mm Mm-hmm in this social media podcast world. It's really kind of hard to follow the metrics. Mm -hmm. But we hear from people a lot about Mm -hmm. how much it helps them, which was our burden when we started. What do we want people to know Mm -hmm. that we see all the time? Right. 
Exactly. And maybe they'll never come to counseling. Exactly. So what has also grown from this is a website that people can go to with you in the weeds.com. And if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, you will get an email from us every week with an episode summary that is great information. It's something you can easily share with other people. But we also find a lot of times people, when they listen to podcasts, they're driving, mm-hmm. they're working out, they're cooking dinner or whatever, and they're not able to sit down and take notes. Right. And because we give such substantive content and we know people want to go back to it and revisit it, having this newsletter is like basically having like footnote, you know, like a summary right. notes that you can refer to. Um, that you can, like I said, share with other people. So we encourage you to do that. And we have an event coming up that we're really excited about. Yes, we are so excited. We're so excited. We're going to have an open house and it is for you, for our listeners. We want to say thank you for listening. That's our first goal. Uh, we'd love to meet you face to face. We want to get out from behind the microphone and, you know, kind of who who's listening to us. We'd like to like see you in the flesh. But the third thing is, is we just want to give you more of a vision for where our heart is Hmm. to take this resource and continue to have it grow and put it in people's hands. Because I think now more than ever, people are looking for trusted Christian counseling content because there's so much stuff out there these days. Yes. And some of it's really good and some of it's really not good. And it's hard to discern you know, whose voice should I be listening to? And so we hope that we are building that credibility with you, our listeners, and we would just love to invite you to come catch more of the vision and just kind of help us continue to spread the word. Yeah. I mean, I I think in in our hearts, we envision this as a kind of virtual, tight-knit, network of people Mm -hmm. who know that this is a good resource when life gets really hard and they get stuck to give them some monkey bars to hang on to as they navigate the weedy stuff of life. Yeah, they're not alone. And so if you would like to come to this open house event and meet the team, go to our website with you in the weeds.com and you will see a post at the top that gives you all the details that you need to know who, what, when, where, how you can get signed up. Um, we would just love to meet you. So we hope to see you there. And there will be food mm-hmm. and there will be drinks. Mm-hmm. So you can get a drink and some food. Mm-hmm. And, and just come and go as you please. There's a, you don't have to commit the whole evening to us. <laughs> I've lost five pounds for this event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just I've oh, got to get serious really? about this. Okay. Because I, I have a face for radio, and I just need to do the most that I can with what I have. So. Oh, you're funny. Well, anyway, we hope to see you at our open house. And today, let's just kind of transition let's into today's episode. We have been talking about how to manage your dysfunctional family, and we've covered a lot of ground. And today we're going to talk about building your blended family. John, as counselors... I don't have percentages here, but a a large percentage of people that we meet with are in a second marriage, maybe even a third marriage. They have stepchildren. They have a blended family. This is very common. Very. And so we wanted to come up with some ideas for people who are in blended families of what, what are important things for them to think about and consider 
And like you said, give them some handlebars to hang on to through what might be a bumpy ride. Well, you know, these stats are about eight years old. But around eight years ago, I collected some statistics on step families. And a third of all the families in the U.S. are in a step relationship Mm -hmm. in their family. Now, we're we're using blended family, but step family Mm -hmm. is even more poignant. Mm-hmm. I like the blended family mm-hmm. concept, kind mm-hmm. of Brady Bunch kind of thing. Sure. But to narrow this down, like some of the researchers in the field, Ron Deal is a guy yes. that, that we've drawn mm-hmm. from pretty heavily. Um, he says that step family implies an orphan because it comes mm. from the old English word step, like stepchild, which implied a bereaved child that had lost their parents mm. or an orphan. Interesting. So in every remarriage, there is an orphan child. Hmm. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, I hadn't either. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more I played with that, the more it made sense to me. Hmm. Because you're dealing with loss, attachment wounds, Mm -hmm. um, a kid not knowing their place or their Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. Just so many dynamics that are particular Mm -hmm. to a blended slash step family um, that make them... Very, very difficult. Um, a third of all American weddings eight years ago uh, were formed out of a step family okay. or were forming a step family. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of all couples who start a blended or a step family will re divorce. Two thirds. Oh, interesting. That's a really high number. Does this research come out of the Ron Deal's mm-hmm. book? Okay. Smart mm-hmm. Step Families. Mm-hmm. I think that's the name of the book title. Yeah, it's called The Smart Step Family Marriage. That's the one I was looking at today. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So those are some pretty alarming statistics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big category to deal with. And we just want really, I think, to normalize people that this is really different. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think a lot of couples go into it thinking, well, my first marriage didn't work. This one's going to be great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, as we were planning this episode, we came up with the metaphor of building a house because we want this to be hopeful for people who are in this situation. And I really liked your metaphor of building the house. And it's like a house that's under construction. For a long time. for, For a long time. And, you know, I think that that's a good visual because... You know, it's it's not just like we're, you know, changing out the carpet. Right. It it might be, you know, we're tearing down walls. We're, you know, getting things down to the studs and we're really rebuilding something from the ground up. And so that's kind of a really good metaphor as we get into this. Well, and here's another statistic. Um, you talked a lot about this a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when we were thinking about this. It takes two years according to Ron Deal, two years for this new family to have an identity. Mm. Two Mm -hmm. years for the family members to begin to own, yep, this is my family. Mm -hmm. Seven years to establish rhythms of Mm -hmm. who's in charge, Mm -hmm. who plays what role, where do I fit, Mm -hmm. how do I make sense of everything that's happened. So the, the building idea of completely redoing a house it's like gutting it Mm -hmm. and starting from the ground up Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So we've mentioned this book by Ron Deal, and we would encourage you to check it out and get a copy, The Smart Step Family Marriage. And as I read that book, I think that he highlights several important um, elements that we want you to consider if you're in a blended family. And one of them is just that psych ed and having a conscious awareness of dynamics that are going on in this rebuilding process are really going to be key. And there are three things that in today's episode we want you to consider when you're building your blended family. And those three things are to consider the disillusionment element, secondly, to consider double binds that might be created, and the third one is to deal with distrust. So the first one, disillusionment, well, what do I mean by that? John, you and I teach a marriage class, and we use this assessment called Prepare Enrich. Mm -hmm. It's an online um, assessment that couples take. It's based on decades-long longitudinal research on couples. So it's a pretty solid, robust assessment. It's been around for 30 years. For 30 years. And they actually build something into this assessment that they want to take into account. The idealistic distortion. Yes, it is called idealistic distortion. And what that is, is they sprinkle questions throughout the assessment that help determine, um, does one of the partners have such rose-colored glasses on that they're not seeing the relationship or seeing their partner in reality? And so they're trying to gauge where a person's Um, idealism is because, and this is why it's important, because they know that the difference between expectations, particularly very idealistic expectations, and reality Mm -hmm. is disappointment. Like the, the difference between those two things. Well, you know what they'll say in recovery circles, like in AA, Mm -hmm. it's a common phrase. Expectations are pre-planned resentment. Mm, Yeah. I think I heard you say that, and that's really good. And, you know, they note that this disillusionment factor is a universal component that every marriage faces. I can certainly relate to that in my own marriage, but it can particularly be an issue in a remarriage. And here's why. If you've just ended a conflictual, tumultuous, or unfilling relationship, and then you meet someone new who seems very different than your previous partner, then you may have an idealistic view of how wonderful they are. In fact, I have a friend of mine. um, She doesn't live here in town, but we stay in touch. And she ended up marrying someone who had been previously married. And his first wife had really broken a lot of trust with him. So, you know, that was kind of the undercurrent that he left that relationship. And so when he began dating my friend, he would look at my friend and he would literally tell her, you are perfect. You are wonderful. You are everything. And my friend would be like, I'm not, you know, like, like, I know I'm not like I seem like I'm perfect, but I know I'm not. Well, now they're many years into this remarriage. And, you know, the the rose-colored glasses have come off. You know, he now sees that, yes, you are not perfect like I thought you were. But it just speaks to how when you've left something so painful Hmm. and come through that and then you meet this new person, it's like two people running through a meadow. The sun is shining. The birds are (laughs) chirping. 
the hair is flowing yep. and you all you can think of is like this is my knight in shining armor or this is you know my princess that I've you know always longed for and it's natural to to have these expectations I just have this song in my head What's, right when you give that image uh-huh. the hills fill the air right the hills are alive sound yeah, yeah. the hills are alive with right. the sound of music right just the music is playing in the background and so what Ron Deal wants, you know, his couples to realize is that <clears throat> although this is a second chance at happiness and companionship, if you don't keep your idealism in check, then that can quickly turn into uncertainty, conflict, complaining, and regret. And what he found is that most remarried couples really underestimate the time that it will take mm-hmm. to merge this relationship. You know, we talked about the construction zone. Yeah. It's like if your contractor is like, oh, I'll have this done in two months. Right. <laughs> and then you're thinking like, in two months, life's going to be back to normal. But then it's not because, oh, wait, you know, there's, you know, change orders and this is backed up and, you know, it's actually going to be another six months. Well, it's crushing versus if your contractor said, look, this is going to be under construction for two years. You would be like, well, that really stinks. I was hoping it would be done in six months. But knowing that, okay, we're going to have to live with this for two years, it does something to help you mentally prepare for this is going to take a long time. Yeah, And that's, I think, one of the main goals that making couples aware of this is going to help adjust those expectations. Well, and and even if you prepare ahead of time Mm -hmm. and you're working through expectations, there still will be surprises that you didn't anticipate. Exactly. And it can really throw a person if they Mm -hmm. don't have a category for, Mm -hmm. even though I've planned this carefully, there still will be turns and surprises Mm -hmm. and slippery roads, right, as we drive. So instead of looking at those things as, oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. if I would have known this, Mm -hmm. but instead take the attitude of, well, I thought I had thought about Mm -hmm. everything I was getting into. Well, this is a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, what is God going to do with this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like keeping a growth mentality where you're just accepting reality. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about the rose-colored glasses. My old mentor used to call it the new car smell. Mm-hmm. Like when you buy a new car, it just smells so good. Mm-hmm. Three years later, mm-hmm. it's gone, right? And now the car's scratched up and you don't care so much about where mm-hmm. you park it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But those are all chemicals that wash over the brain mm-hmm. that prepare a person for bonding and attachment. And they tend to obscure the ability to see the reality and the difficulties. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I have found when I've talked to couples in counseling who are in a a remarriage or blended family, and when I tell them, you know, the research shows that it's going to actually take about seven years for you to get through these tensions and for your stress level to match that of what it would be in a first marriage, they are actually relieved Because again, it speaks to, you know, this is so hard and no, you're not crazy and no, you're not even doing anything wrong. You might be doing everything right and everything you can do. And yet your stress level 
is high and it is likely going to continue to be high for a roughly seven years. So if you can hang in there and keep putting all the good ingredients in, you know, then there's going to be, you know, the fruit of your labor down the road. But there's another point that we want our listeners to hear from the research, and that is and to be aware of double binds. This, I think, kind of creeps up on people, right. and they don't know what to do with it when they run into it. So, John, help us understand what are double binds. Yeah, there's so much that goes on below the surface mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're not really seeing very clearly, but yet it really is impacting how the family is functioning. Mm-hmm. One of those areas is double binds, mm-hmm. um, and children will feel this on multiple levels. Um They feel alone in their anxiety, caused in part, and no small part, this is a big part, by knowing that they're on their own Mm. with this new structure. Mm -hmm. Um, And who am I going to be loyal to? Mm -hmm. Like, which parent? My bio parent that I just left? Mm -hmm. Am I loyal to my stepmom Mm -hmm. or stepdad? Or do I be loyal to them and less loyal to my original biological parent? Blood is always thicker than water, Mm -hmm. as the old saying goes. So the the child's always going to be drawn to the Mm -hmm. biological parent Mm -hmm. in a really strong and unique way. Mm -hmm. But the kiddo has a hard time figuring out, like, what do I do with this? Well, and the, the nature of a double bind is if I please mom then dad is going to be upset with me. If I please dad, then mom is going to be upset with me. So I'm basically left with two negative choices. And when you're left with what feels like two negative choices, there's something that grows inside of you, this feeling of dissonance of like, well, now I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. The other big judo flip to this that really was striking to me as I prep for this is when the child comes into the new step family, what normally would be a stabilizing factor where the mom and dad love each other Mm. and they're committed to each other. Mm -hmm. Normally that's the glue Mm. of a nuclear family. The step family reverses that dynamic because the more loyal the new mom and dad are to each other, the more the child feels like they're on the outs and it's Mm. now a competition. Mm, So the very thing that's Mm -hmm. supposed to stabilize destabilizes. Interesting. Because it sets up a competition dynamic Mm -hmm. where the child's like, well, wait a minute, what about me? Uh Whereas in a normal, like, pre-step family marriage, Mm -hmm. the child would be like, wow, Mm -hmm. it feels so good that mom and dad are getting time together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the same in a step family. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is part of the loss that the kid is feeling and the confusion Mm -hmm. where they have like two brains Mm -hmm. and they're at odds with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Very natural for children to be fiercely loyal to their parents. Um, So as you said, how do I, re- the kids like, how do I remain loyal to both of my parents when they no longer love or even like each other? And this new dynamic where they love and like each other puts me on the outs. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. really, really confusing mm-hmm. for the child. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of gets blown to bits. And as we mentioned earlier, Ron Deal ta- talks about step families coming from the old English word for step, mm-hmm. where you literally have like an orphan child. Uh, So this child 
has lost a parent, they've lost a stabilizing factor. Now, which parent do I become loyal to? Mm-hmm. So this, there's this internal confusion uh, that gets created. And sometimes a kid will do what we call in the psych world, splitting. Mm-hmm. They'll split this off, meaning that it's like a file folder. Like I'll take my emotions, whatever mm-hmm. they're about, mm-hmm. and I will file them away in this folder and mm-hmm. tuck them away and I won't bring them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they have they have to reconcile these two worlds. Sure. So one way to reconcile is to get rid of one world. Mm. But it doesn't fully go away. It'll right. come up later. Right. 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 But it's just a way of surviving it. Mm-hmm. Um, a child also may think, I don't want to make things worse. Mm-hmm. So all the more reason not to bring negative emotions into the picture or my confusion or, hey, this doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Especially like if, if they see mom or dad is in pain and hurting over the loss of that first relationship. Yeah. And the child is also in pain and hurting, but they don't want to bring those emotions to the parent because, well, yeah, I don't want mom to feel worse than she already feels or dad to feel worse than they already feel. And so it's like, yeah, where are those emotions going to go? And so then, without even knowing it, the child puts themselves in a parent role. I'll Mm. take care of mom Mm -hmm. by not letting her meet my needs Mm -hmm. because hers are more important than mine. Mm. Because I'm trying to survive my world falling apart. But then it puts them in a control position as a young child where they have to try and give things to the parent that they themselves don't have. Mm -hmm. And they die inside. Mm -hmm. Like, who's connecting to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll show up later in life. Right. That's how we make a living. Right. Like that. (laughs) Well, and that kind of leads to the next point, and that is you know, distrust Mm. when there's been a brokenness in a family dynamic, because, you know, a lot of times we talk about attachment and, you know, the importance of building attachment in those early years, but now those attachment figures are split apart. So now we have the, again, the double binds that we just talked about, but distrust, you know, trust in a relationship is like the fuel that brings energy. It brings life. It means like the flow of traffic, the flow of communication between two people is very free and open. And there's a safety factor. There's safety there. And so when a marriage ends or a family gets completely reorganized and that trust is no longer, you know, flowing freely, no matter whose fault it may be, this can be very upsetting. And what happens naturally is both the adult and the child starts to build a mental map, like a mental picture of, okay, what went wrong? Um, how did I find myself here? What am I going to do next? What is the new, what is the new normal going to look like? And, you know, Ron Deal points out that as children are creating this mental map and trying to make sense of things, they may not welcome this new remarriage right away. There may be some resistance. There may be some pushback. There may be some um, conflict there. And that's normal because the child may be holding on to a dream that, you know, mom and dad may get back together again. It's going to take them a while to kind of accept, you know, this new dynamic. But the research does show, and this is where I think it's very hopeful, 
if you're listening and you have a blended family, that despite a child's initial resistance to entering this new family dynamic, if you can remain strong and gut through the construction process, that over time you can rebuild a marriage that will have positive benefits for this child. And over time, the child is going to learn to accept, you know, reality and the changes that have happened. Um, But your job along the way is to be trustworthy for that child so that if they are dealing with feelings of mistrust or distrust, that, you know, you're working hard to be reliable, to be responsible, to be um, a person of integrity, You want to remain that stabilizing, trustworthy force in your child's life. Which is something that you're fully in control of. Mm -hmm. Like as the parent, there's Mm -hmm. a lot you're not in control of in a Mm -hmm. step family. Mm -hmm. You are in control of how you open your heart to the life that God would give you to sustain this for the long haul and to be fully present and fully trustworthy. Mm -hmm. It's like you're adding an ingredient. Mm-hmm. That over time is going to grow into, well, take a seed, right? Mm-hmm. A small seed over time can grow into a mighty oak tree. Mm-hmm. But it's the time, the truth, the grace, mm-hmm. the continually leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are your three big mm-hmm. kind of things that that will to present. To be aware them. of. Yeah. yeah, they will present themselves, sure. right? Mm-hmm. The double bind, the disillusionment, the distrust. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about rebuilding. Yeah. Like what kind of a tool belt mm-hmm. does the construction worker need? Mm-hmm. And we're going to break it down into three basic tools, mm-hmm. grieving loss, healthy communication, and humility. Mm-hmm. Um, grieving loss. Uh, there is probably no other tool Hmm. that Mm -hmm. is helpful for moving through most of what life will give you Mm -hmm. uh, besides grieving loss. It's such an essential tool yeah, because it enables you to accept reality, Mm -hmm. to let go of things that you can't control and to tackle things that you can. Mm -hmm. It's like the old serenity prayer. God, give me the grace to accept what I can't change. Mm -hmm. Like this is out of my control. Yeah. Uh, Give me the courage to step in and work at changing things that I can. And then the third point in that prayer I love so much. And God, I really kind of need to know the difference between the two of them. (laughs) Where do the boundaries fall? Where are the lines? Right. Because we are, Mm -hmm. all of us are control freaks. Mm -hmm. When I have a client come and say, I'm just sort of a control freak, I Inside, I kind of chuckle, mm. like, yeah, you like, and the rest of it? the world. Yeah. Yeah. We're all trying to control outcomes, sure. life, mm-hmm. um, but inherently it throws things at us that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. And there are things that are sad that we don't want. And we can either get stuck in those backwaters mm-hmm. and things get really ugly and bitter and hopeless, mm. or you can learn to accept, okay. I've really lost this thing Mm -hmm. that is good Mm -hmm. that God wants me to have. But right now in this fallen world, I don't have it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm afraid it might be taken away or it might go away. Mm -hmm. So letting go of those things and realizing um, I am like humble Mm -hmm. in my truest position. I am a creature built for people to give to me what I need. And I am dependent Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not self-sufficient, able to control mm-hmm. everything. So just being able to accept the things that have been lost. Yeah. And that's so important because loss connects with a bigger category of death. Loss is a form of death. Like you lose a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, a job offer dies. Mm-hmm. The new house you wanted, you can't buy. So that dream dies. Mm-hmm. It's really closely connected mm-hmm. to the process of death. Mm-hmm. So to be able to like accept those losses, which are real and real heavy, doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be happy again or that like things are now going to go up and to the right and turn out the way I wanted them. It means that there's this empty space where you're really sad about what you can't have or what you've lost. But now if you keep that space open, that's a space where God can fill it with whatever he wants to fill it with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the beauty of the the grieving process is recognizing that loss is not just a one-time event. (laughs) It, you know, everyone in the family, if you're in a blended family, everyone is experiencing loss on some level and is going to continue to feel its effects for a long time to come. And so this process of learning to grieve is going to be an essential part of every member of the family grieving. So your little kiddo is grieving the loss of what they thought life was going to look like. So if you can tap into grieving your own losses, then you're going to be able to welcome your child's grief process and enter into it with them. It's it's like a language. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't speak the language yourself, you can't recognize what the other person's saying Mm -hmm. or thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So the more you become well-versed in dealing with your own losses, you'll be able to understand the heart of your child or the heart of your new partner. Yeah. Because they're going through the same thing. Sure, sure. You know, um, you might be grieving the loss of having control over your child's pain Mm -hmm. um, or the impact of the divorce in their lives, loss of friends, financial strain, Hope for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, For the child, it might mean grieving the loss of ever having a normal family. Mm -hmm. Holidays that are divided among multiple families Mm -hmm. are so Mm stress-laden. Worries about future milestone events that could hold conflict or tension, like graduations, weddings, grandchildren. All of that stuff, your child is containing that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's slipping through their fingers. They're Mm -hmm. losing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what it feels like mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. So as you're rebuilding your mental map of this new marriage and this new family, you've got to be there right alongside your child, helping them build their mental map of what this journey can look like and what it can be and how you're going to be with them on that journey, that they're not alone in this sea of turbulence and uncertainty. And I think, you know, that's what every parent wants to give their child, regardless of the circumstances. But this may be highlighted even more so in these situations. Well, just imagine if your kiddo comes to you and says, Mommy, I miss Daddy. Mm -hmm. And Mommy is wonderfully happy that Daddy's not in the picture anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the zeal to step in and say, oh, but this daddy's so much better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That'll be so tempting. Mm -hmm. But it misses where your child is grieving. 
right. and what they've lost, which might be really different than yeah. like what you You might feel differently, sure. So you have to mm-hmm. be willing mm-hmm. to step into the trenches, yeah. walk through the mud, and contain your child's emotions. Mm-hmm. So it takes a tremendous amount of maturity. Yeah, and that leads us to the second component that I think we're going to need if we're rebuilding or building a new blended family, and that is having healthy communication. All the things that we're talking about in the grieving process are going to hinge on your ability to communicate and to Mm. talk to your spouse, to talk to your children, to talk to your therapist or your support network about what it is that you're feeling. You you need to learn to listen to other members of the family because like you said, you may have one perspective. Right. On this whole reconstruction process, but someone else may have very different thoughts and feelings about it. And the temptation is, well, you know, you need to just get with the program and get on board and accept, you know, and just kind of jump, jump over to where I'm at. And it takes a lot of patience and energy to listen and to have empathy. Like I get how from your perspective, why and how you would feel that way. It may not be how you feel, but you have to be open to letting people feel what they're feeling. And so having that healthy communication, realizing that you cannot fix, change, or control anyone else. People are free to feel the feelings that they have. You cannot change them. You cannot control them. But you can be open to listening to them, have empathy for them, recognize them, And what we find is that over time, this is what is going to rebuild trust that has been broken. If your kid gets, wow, mom is really willing to listen to me in my pain and my frustration, guess what? You're letting them know you're not alone. Someone is with you. And, you know, you're understood. You're not crazy. And that can speak so much to other members of the family who might be going through this. You know, over the years that I've done counseling, of course, I've met with many adult children of divorce that are still processing things that occurred in their parents' um, marriage ending. And I usually ask them the question, did or have either of your parents ever asked you, how has our divorce impacted you? Most of the time, the answer is no. Even in their adult years, this person might be 30, 40, whatever years old. They do not remember, even though their parents went through that divorce, one or either or both of those parents just asking the question, how is this impacting you? And I get it because the parents are going through all the turbulence and they're just trying to hang on and survive. But. I remember asking one client this question and just me asking her the question brought tears to her eyes because she said, if my mom or dad ever were to ask me that question, I don't even know how I would answer them because I would be so moved. I would be so affected, like emotionally affected by them wanting to even know that. You know, and so we underestimate how our kids just want to be known and seen. Now, can the parent, 
do anything about the pain that the child might be feeling? I mean, no, but you can be with them in it. Which requires, and this is what I'm thinking as I hear you describe this, it requires that parent who has initiated that divorce or been a party to that divorce to navigate their shame. Because mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount of shame with mm-hmm. divorce. Like, mm-hmm. I've failed at my marriage. Mm-hmm. Even if even if you were abused, there's a tremendous amount of shame at the failure of the marriage mm-hmm. because it ties in with that abuse dynamic of, well, I guess it's my fault. Mm-hmm. If I just would have submitted more mm-hmm. or been a different person, mm-hmm. I deserve to be abused. That's why I lost mm-hmm. my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um there's That's a lot of faulty thinking. A lot of when faulty you've thinking. been the victim of abuse in a marriage. We mm-hmm. tend to think through our pain. Yeah. Um, and most people, when they go through a divorce, they don't want to go back and visit that train wreck. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really difficult for them. But the kids are left mm-hmm. with the baggage. I remember years ago reading something about divorce that has never left me. And that is when a couple divorces and they tell their child, hey, you know, mommy and daddy just can't work this through. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying to the child, we're going to give you a bunch of loss and a bunch of shame and a bunch of confusion that we are unwilling to work through to mm-hmm. make our marriage work. So you're going to have to carry the bag. Mm-hmm. That really struck me because mm-hmm. they're asking the child to do something they're not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, tough it up, son. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just the way it is. Well, mm-hmm. How about the parent toughening it up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. doing what they don't want to do? Sure. And and I just want to insert in here that there are really good reasons to walk away from a Oh, sure. And, sure. and I, you know, hopefully our listeners, you know, have been listening to us long enough that they know we're not, um, you know, saying that, you know, sometimes divorce is a necessary thing to preserve your safety and your health and that of your children. And that is a tough situation that no one ever wants to be put in, but yet living in a broken world, we may find ourselves in that position. Um, All that to say is whatever the reasons are for the marriage ending, the pain is there. And, And we're encouraging people to grieve through that, to communicate through that. And I think the last point we wanted to make just in this rebuilding process is humility and what is that going to look like? And John, I just want you to speak a little bit to, you know, the hope of the redemption Mm -hmm. that God offers to us when something's been broken and he is able to step into that and rebuild that for us. Yeah. I, when I think about this, there are lots of different ways that humility can be seen and understood. But as I think about this, I think about the concept of trust. Mm -hmm. Um, At its heart, humility is coming to God and saying, I am not self-sufficient. I cannot trust myself to pull this off. I need Mm -hmm. to lean on you. Mm -hmm. I need you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at a deficit here. So, the, it's a faith component. Faith, <clears throat> faith and humility are very closely aligned because humility is saying, I can't do this. I can't make it. I have no game. And I really need you to step in here. So 
to love a family well that's in shambles and that's under construction for seven years, mm-hmm. um, every part of your being, right, as a creature infected by the sin virus, every part of your being is going to want to take a posture of, I got this. Mm. I can do this. And, and sure, there are things you can mm-hmm. work with and ingredients mm-hmm. you can add. But at the end of the day, it's the recognition that I am dependent upon God for being kind, being patient, mm-hmm. hearing my child when hearing them causes me so mm-hmm. much pain. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I going to go mm-hmm. to compensate for that stuff that I'm losing and experiencing so I can give life to my kid mm-hmm. or to my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm describing what humility might look like instead of giving it a definition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to look at this, this humility piece and dependence piece, because we've used the metaphor of a construction zone. God uses the metaphor of a wilderness. And in the wilderness, things are really hard. Mm-hmm. And you're looking around like, where is God? Um, and part of, I think, the beauty of being in a blended family, if you look at it the right way, it helps expose your heart and what your heart truly needs, which is life from God, not mm-hmm. just a technique or a formula mm-hmm. or, hey, how do we get happy here? Yeah, it'll really press you into a place of... um you know, when Jesus says, never will I leave you, never will I mm-hmm. forsake you, you know, we've talked about losses and grieving and, you know, people leave. You might have had your partner leave you or you might have had to leave the relationship for whatever reason. And, you know, a lot of times we have couples come in and they want guarantees, <laughs> you know, they do. you know, like, how can you promise me or guarantee me that this isn't you know, isn't going to turn out the same way or that, you know, this is going to work. And I think you have a good phrase that you tell clients and I won't be able to say it as well as you do. I think I know what you're thinking about. But it's like, you know, I think you kind of, it's like a reality that you hold up to them where you say nothing in this life is guaranteed or promised other than Jesus is with you. Jesus will never leave you. And he will never leave you. And wow, when you're in this rebuilding process, that is a hope to cling to yeah, and to depend on in probably ways you've not been forced or, you know, asked to depend on him. And beautiful things come when our hearts are in that position of humility. And so we want to encourage you If you are in the process of building your blended family, God is with you. He is at that construction zone. Yeah. (laughs) He's the the foreman, shall we say, of the construction zone of your new family. And we want you to know that he is with you, that he sees you, that he can give you guidance and wisdom and hope and perspective. And we hope that as we've talked about these components today— that you are encouraged. We hope that you um, are enlightened in some ways as we've talked about things to just be aware of and be looking for um, because we think that having those things, you know, at the top of your mind, you're not going to be as surprised, you know, as they, you know, kind of come around the corner of this journey. So 
Um, yeah. Any final thoughts that you want to share, John? You know, there's so much to this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess I have two thoughts. One, if you're not in a step family and you're in a first marriage, mm-hmm. um, hey, enjoy this because you have a walk in the park. Mm. In some ways. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd say that, but I Comparatively hear speaking. Yeah. But for the step family, you know, the Bible, this is very counterintuitive, mm. uh, really puts a lot of weight on the value of redemptive suffering. And so you have an opportunity to trust God in ways that are going to be excelled rapidly and put you in deeper need if mm-hmm. you want to pull this off. Mm. So it, it's a point of discipleship as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I, I would recommend people get the book, The Smart Step Family Marriage, mm-hmm. and have a lot of fun and come to our open house. Yeah. And you can ask Lynn no, no, all, no, no. Of your, all of your specific questions <laughs> right. about well, the, your step family. The open house is meant to be a fun, <laughs> relaxing I know, I'm joking. evening, but uh, we do always welcome your questions. So if there's something that you want to shoot a question to the team, we hope that you would find us on Instagram at with you in the weeds or go to our website with you in the or shoot us an email with you in the weeds at the John, it was great to be with you today. And I look forward to the next time we record. We will talk to you in the next episode. All right. See you. Thanks for listening. And thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of your life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Check out our website, withyouintheweeds.com. You can find all our episodes there and a whole lot more. Or if you like what you're hearing, simply follow us on Instagram. Like us and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.